When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Hey y'all, this week we're back with a mini-episode, which is a bit of a companion to our last full-length one called The Fiery Tomb of Josie Arlington. Well, in that episode, we explore the life of a notorious New Orleans madam who owned a legal brothel back at the turn of the century. It was during that time that the Crescent City decided to do a bit of a social experiment and legalize sex work as long as it was done within the confines of a specific place, a district known as Storyville. Now, for those of you who've been watching AMC's remake of Anne Rice's Interview with the Vampire, y'all know the time period I'm talking about, because that is the setting for the show. In that version, Louis is a brothel owner just like Josie Arlington. So, without further ado, here is a brief history of the infamous Storyville. In 1897, the city of New Orleans passed Ordinance Number 13032CS, which stated, From the 1st of October, 1897, it shall be unlawful for any public prostitute or woman notoriously abandoned to lewdness to occupy, inhabit, live, or sleep in any house, room, or closet without the following limits. South side of Custom House from Basin to Robertson Street, East side of Robertson Street, from Custom House to St. Louis Street, from Robertson to Basin Street. The area would first be known as the District, short for the Red Light District. Then, some called it the Tenderloin, but most notoriously, it was Storyville, after Alderman Sidney Story, who wrote the ordinance. As a result of these boundaries, 38 city blocks were dedicated to illicit activities. And in that space, it didn't matter how rich or poor you were, there was something available to everyone. The brothels or houses constructed along Basin Street were the most upscale of them all, catering to the elite who were paying top dollar for entertainment. But the farther you got from Basin Street, the smaller the house. Some blocks had only what was called cribs, which were houses with rooms so small they fit little more than a cot. 
while a man might pay up to $5 for a visit to the Arlington or other high-end houses, the women in cribs often charged a mere 25 cents. Of course, the wealthy folks who paid $5 expected a lot more than just a brief encounter with a woman. For their cash, they were treated to an experience. High-end brothels boasted themed parlors, put on shows, and provided live music for their patrons, attempting to cater to anything and everything a visitor could possibly desire. Interestingly, though, the way they attracted customers was through advertisements. Enterprising individuals in Storyville published guides to the district called Blue Books. These publications included information about establishments that often contained a description of the house, types of services provided, costs of services, and the overall type of girl at the house. A blue book published around 1909 described the house of Miss Effie Dudley as having, quote, a score of beautiful women who, with their charming landlady, form a group that can never be forgotten. Another, published sometime between 1913 and 1915, includes an advertisement for Miss Bertha Weinthal's place at 311 North Basin, claiming it had, quote, pretty women, good times, and sociability. The Blue Books weren't just advertisements, though. They also served as a directory, listing the names of each and every woman in an establishment, as well as the address they could be located at and the woman's race. Race was a selling point for some brothels, as a considerable amount of men came to Storyville specifically to cross racial lines behind a closed door. And as a result, some brothels were run by women of color. Lulu White is the most famous of these women, a mixed-race woman who operated Mahogany Hall on Basin Street. While this era of New Orleans history is certainly seen as a decadent one. The legacy of Storyville is notable not just for legalized sex work, but also for its ties to the early days of jazz. In spite of some folks' claim, jazz wasn't born in the brothels of Storyville, but it was there that the truly American art form was given the unique opportunity to evolve and thrive. Scores of now-legendary jazz musicians performed in the district, including Buddy Bolden, Freddie Keppard, Papa Celestin, and Jelly Roll Morton. Even Louis Armstrong himself performed in Storyville as a teenager. Music was an integral part of the culture there, as live music was used to lure men into the door. Once inside, music kept the mood exactly where it needed to be making men more likely to spend money. The constant employment of musicians that the system allowed, as well as their competitive nature and freedom to perform in front of a largely uncritical audience, provided fertile ground for these future jazz greats to experiment and refine their styles. Just as significantly, though, was that Storyville broke some of the racial barriers between who was performing together and who was hearing those performers. The majority of musicians were men of color, whereas outside of the district, performers would still have separated themselves between how they identified as black or the lighter-skinned Creole. But inside that 38-block radius, 
musicians performed with whoever they wished, creating a potent mix of musical influences. Of course, the only problem was that jazz garnered a reputation as whorehouse music. Fortunately, that stigma has since subsided. When Alderman's story drew up the ordinances for this unique red light district, his hope was to corral illicit and immoral activities away from the general public. But as the district became an attraction, if not the focal point of New Orleans, the opposite happened. As a tourist site, Storyville skyrocketed in 1908 with the construction of the Southern Railway Terminal at the corner of Basin and Canal Streets. The railroad tracks ran along Basin, the main thoroughfare of Storyville, so anyone on the train need only glance out their windows for a view of the most high-class brothels and bars in the city. Establishments like Tom Anderson's Saloon, Emma Johnson's Studio, Lulu White's Mahogany Hall, and of course, the Arlington. At its peak, Storyville was home to more than 2,000 registered sex workers, but the good times couldn't last forever. By 1913, the district's best days were behind it, its reputation was in decline, and it began veering away from the glamorous tourist attraction and leaning toward an unrepentant vice district. So in 1917, Storyville was officially closed, primarily at the behest of the Secretary of the Navy Base in New Orleans. It was the beginning of World War I, and he claimed that the country needed every man they could get. And if the vice of Storyville remained open to tempt them, too many would be incapacitated by sexually transmitted diseases. So the city capitulated, and Storyville was closed. Today, only three original buildings remain in what was once Storyville. But the legacy of this notorious New Orleans experiment certainly continues on. And if you'd like to hear some music by legendary performers who once called Storyville home, check out our playlist on Spotify. The link is in the show notes. My name is Brandon Schecksneider, and you've been listening to Southern Gothic. Hello, my name is Matt, host of the Pirate History Podcast. Pirates rank among the most mythologized and romanticized of all historical figures. It can become easy to forget that pirates were real people that had real-world concerns. If you like tales of high seas adventure, daring do, and also want to learn more about who Blackbeard supported to be king, you can learn more about all of that at the Pirate History Podcast. What's something you learned in history class that you feel like wasn't the whole truth? Better yet, what's something you didn't learn at all that was omitted completely? That's what I like to call redacted history. My name is Andre White, the host of the Redacted History Podcast the place where history's forgotten events, heroes, and villains get their story told, one episode at a time. The Redacted History Podcast. 
Real history never dies. Stream the Redacted History Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts.